Hello, welcome to another Rioters Review here on Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, with me, Stephen Hill, and Mr. Renfrey Deadman, who is there as well. Where are you, Renfrey? Tell everyone you're there. I, I am here. Um, we, we have silly technical issues at the moment, which just basically means mm-hmm. that sometimes Steve can't see me uh, when I'm looking at my notes. But I am here. Hello. Disjointed Hello. voice. Yeah. Does it, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. To everyone else, it's fine. I can just see the paused button. No one cares. On, um on the bloody thing that you're looking yeah and it's like well i'll come that's back got, that's my my cross to bear isn't it really it's no one else's <laughs> he's back um all right today um thanks very much for subscribing if you are a subscriber here on patreon.com forward slash right act podcast this is the podcast where you as a patron get to suggest an album for me and Renfrey to talk about um if you are someone who's given us a quid and you've you've been doing this for a little while and you suggested a bunch of albums a if we haven't got to yours yet, we've got quite a lot. We're trying to get through as many as possible. Oh, they keep coming, keep so coming, keep many. coming. Um, we have so many. You're you're suggesting them faster than we can actually record them, I'm yep. afraid, guys. Um, and <laughs> yeah. secondly, if you're only giving like £2.19 pence a month, why not double that and a bit and uh, <laughs> and upgrade to the £5 tier where you can get the very best podcast, the classic album series podcast, which we do, which are long ting, long ting. Um, if you are listening for free in the future, wow, you're just the worst of all the bunch of people, aren't you? Worst the of the worst, worst of the worst. The worst guy around. Mm. Um, so you, you've had a long time to sign up, buddy. Sort yourself out. Uh, maybe you should have done that. Anyway, um enough of the chastising and begging um let's move on to today's record which is suggested by cameron shepherd thank you cameron we appreciate that today we are going to be talking about the debut self-titled record by placebo which was released on the 17th of june 1996 man we talk about like 1996 a lot a hell of a lot (laughs) one could almost think that possibly it was the greatest year for music ever (laughs) it's definitely a good contender undoubtedly i don't know if i would have agreed with you before i started doing this podcast but you have um over the over the last two years that we've been doing this for it feels like you've subliminally put into my mind that 1996 is indeed the greatest year for music and you've made some very strong Mm. arguments as to why that is the case so fair play play it's bloody it's bloody good and it the fact that this great. isn't even the fact that such a great album like placebo's self-taught debut album isn't even close isn't even in the conversation when you talk about the best album of that year it's not even vaguely close and that should go to show you how good a year that was because this is a great fucking record it's a great record it's brilliant i'm wondering if that's changed over the years though that attitude um something which we will definitely be getting into um placebo were really maligned a lot by the critics i feel do you do you agree with this sentiment i do but i don't think they were here well yes and no i would say i don't think musically they were but there was an awful lot i mean you have to bear in mind you're talking about 1996 this is the height of um lad culture oh of course yeah. Uh, and I do remember. So, I mean, you know, uh, full disclosure here, because I'm going to be getting into it regardless. I've interviewed Brian Molko. Uh, I sat down and uh, spoke to Have him you? for The Independent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and I uh, decided that I'd go back to my interview and uh, reread it. And uh, it's bloody interesting, if I don't say so myself. Um, Not because of you, though. <laughs> 
You can say that. Well, I will. You're not interesting. Brian <laughs> I will say, I mean, I, I, I fucking loved Brian. I thought he was great. Um, really great company. Um, we, you know, he extended my interview twice, uh, which was really kind of him. You know, it's really, it's really, it feels really good when someone does that once, let alone twice. Uh, and he seemed to be happy to chat to me about anything and everything. I kind of, um, asked if I could do a chat about their whole career because this was around the time they were doing the 20 years of placebo tour celebrations yeah um but you know he was very happy to do that and um he kind of talked about that time um and the misogyny not misogyny well the the um homophobic stuff that was in mm. the media at the time and it was definitely I think it was a really tough time to be in a band like that um uh because people just seemed so there was a there was an article i think it was the enemy although i don't want to say it was the enemy for a fact because i don't want to libel them if it's the case but there was quite an infamous article that um had a headline and i'm paraphrasing slightly but it was basically boy or girl and that was the headline and they were just they spent most of the the article just trying to figure out what sex Brian Marco is. Is he a boy? Is he a girl? You know, and this is mm. like a fucking 1200 word article. It's like, go away. Um, and I asked him about that at the time. And I'm going to quote my, well, not quote myself, but quote my own interview, if you don't mind, Steve. I think that's fair enough. Don't mind at all. Um, Brian said, uh, I wanted to challenge the homophobia that I was witnessing in the music scene. I wanted anybody who was slightly homophobic to show up at our gigs and think, oh, I really fancy the singer. She's hot. Only to find out later that the singer was called Brian, which would hopefully lead them to go home and ask themselves a few questions. Of course, the cross-dressing was an aesthetic choice, but for us, it was also a political act. That was a very big part of what we were trying to achieve at the time. And I think it's exactly that kind of desire to challenge the establishment and goad people that, they they were really confrontational bands, placebo. Um, yeah, they were, uh, and people kind of forget that now. And I think, I mean, one thing I wrote in my Independent article was the majority of the British music press press were initially too busy trying to work out the sexuality of individual and of individual band members to notice how challenging and goading they were, or even how good their music was. I think in some cases, uh, it was mm. all, it was all a lot of kind of. Um, uh babble and incessant kind of tabloid nonsense that followed placebo around which was kind of impressive in a, in a weird sense for a band who normally if you had tabloid stuff following you around you'd be arena sized and placebo certainly weren't at this point uh, they are these no, days no. but but at this point don't know if you saw them around this time by any chance steve i didn't uh yes i did actually <coughs> oh um i saw them at the red in alley cat just after nancy Crikey. boy came out that's mm. tiny isn't it the alley cat i've never been yeah, it's about 300 people yeah wow how's that yeah we're jumping around a bit it but... was it was really good like really really good <laughs> i mean it was it was at a point where so i mean i should sort of um fess up here and say in 1996 you know which we have kind of called not just the greatest year for music but also the kind of um the second half of 1996 certainly for me it definitely felt like a big come down from Britpop and we had everything and you know we've we've spoken which 
some of you wouldn't have heard yet but we've spoken about everything must go um and how that was and we've also spoken about okay computer i think placebo was another record that kind of showed that um brit pop was well definitely starting to run out of ideas and you know and also was going to be the kind of um the more angst-ridden darker type of music that the first couple of years in the 90s was more sort of associated with was going to be making somewhat of a comeback now um like i said i didn't actually hear this record when it first got released in fact it was a little bit of a it seems weird to call it a um a slow burn when it was on this record when they became like you say kind of tabloid uh you know main not even mainstay but they became a very notorious band very very quickly yeah certainly between this album and without you i'm nothing the follow-up yeah and you know before the record came out come home was released as a single in february uh just before the album came out 36 degrees was released as a single afterwards in September, Teenage Angst was released a single. That was the first time I remember being kind of aware of the name of Placebo because the record came out, I think it got two or three stars in Kerrang. It didn't get a great review in Kerrang. Kerrang. Not a great review at all. We'll go into this later, but Kerrang didn't review them well at all um, to begin with. No. They really didn't. And um, so Teenage Angst came out and I remember being like, oh, and it, that, that didn't chart from what I remember. Or it didn't chart very high um it reached number 30 on the uk singles chart in fact uh, which you know is is really pretty good for the third single from yeah. a debut album after the album's come out you know of a sort of unknown band yeah. but i remember um being like listening to the chart show as i did every week um on the radio with like the the top 40 countdown with mark goodyear or whoever it was that was doing it at that time on the BBC on BBC Radio One, and it um at the end they used to go uh, coming out next week, and they'd sort of say what singles were going to be in the chart next week. So basically, what was coming out on Monday? This is when singles used to come out on Monday. Um, chart was on a Sunday, and um they would play like a little twenty second clip of whatever was about to come out on like that week, right? So. I was just listening to the chart. At the end, it was like new singles from Boyzone, and they play a bit of Boyzone. New singles from Spice Girls. New singles from and it says new single from Placebo, and they played a like maybe ten second long clip of Nancy Boy, and I just thought, cool, that sounds interesting. You know, just from that ten seconds, it grabbed me enough to be like, hmm, I'm going to buy this tomorrow when it comes out. Single one ninety nine you know, whatever. I actually bought the single that had their cover of um, Big Mouth Strikes Again <clears throat> yes. by the Smiths on it, uh, which is good. Which is and what later re-released. You can get, a co- there's a covers album you can buy, which has album, yeah. Where Is yeah. My Mind on it and Running Up That Hill and um, mm, Big Mouth All their Strikes big yeah, yeah. covers they've done, yeah. Um, it's good that. That's the first time I heard uh, anything from The Queen Is Dead by the Smiths, I think. No way. Any of those songs, yeah, pretty much, I, I imagine. Um but anyway, um, so I bought it and I was like, fucking hell. This song's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. And somebody who was a bit more kind of um, sort of glam, sparkly, glittery that I went to college with had seen me buy it that day. That's like, because I went back to college and I was like, oh, I've got this. And she was like, 
oh, I've got a ticket to see them. They're playing in Reading on Thursday or something. So I actually bought, I'd never heard of them, but I'd heard of them. I'd never heard them. Heard 10 seconds of one of their songs. <laughs> bought the song, heard the song. And two days later, two, three days later, I think I went to go and see them. And then they went into the UK <clears throat> top 40 at number four, I believe, with Nancy Boy. It was number four, yeah. Which was mm. never part of the plan, as Brian told me when I uh, when I interviewed him. But yes. Really? Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> they were completely like, what the hell? Like, they basically just wanted to... The plan was just to make enough money to survive. Honestly, that's all they wanted to do. Um, and Nancy Boy catapulted, catapulted them to... A level of, um, well, infamy, really, back in the day, because they were seen as incredibly hedonistic. And Brian admitted to me, he said, you know, we had plenty of vices and, and we we indulged in that lifestyle as any young band should. You know, he was very kind of like defiant and like, no, I think we absolutely should have um, done all those drugs and, and had all that sex and in eye with eye holes with paper bags and all that sort of thing you know yeah uh, whether that's actually based on an actual incident or not i don't know but um yeah uh, well that's based on a that's surely i mean i remember reading at the time because i that was another thing that intrigued me in the kind of upcoming pieces in kerrang and stuff they were like eye holes in a paper bag greatest lair ever had and he said you know that's sort of the type of thing that like lad 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 say isn't it they're like oh yeah she's a fucking yeah. minger but i had her and all that stuff so you know, I get. I always thought it was. There's a big argument raging at the moment again about context and how you use words and songs in context and da 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 da. da. And this is again another thing. Was you, you can't accuse Brian Moka of being sort of <laughs> misogynistic. No. Be hilarious. To, um, but he said misogynistic things. Obviously, he was saying it from a place of somewhere else. Sarcasm. From, yeah. Mm. Um, but then. You'd have to not be an idiot on Twitter to work that out, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, I saw them and and it felt like, I mean, I wouldn't even say it felt like they were going to be massive because I didn't really. I remember seeing them and thinking they were quite, they were quite. Uh, I don't want again. I don't want to use the word weak either. They weren't weak live, but in compared, like you know, I think around this time I'd seen corn. Mm. And Regents and Machine. Mm -hmm. And Placebo were... And that's the sort of bands that I wanted to go and see. Mm. Or I'd go and see someone like A, mm. who were just like mad, loads of fun. You know? Were or, the f or Pennywise or something. Were the fans quite rabid at that point? Because Placebo fans can be very, very intense. Yeah. I, it, there was definitely a hardcore group down the front. Like, you couldn't get in the first sort of three or four rows. It was just... You know, um, cult of Richie Edwards esque mm -hmm. girls in um, fish sort of you know fishnet mm -hmm. tops and very very thick eyeliner and yeah, um, I actually got cut on the arm by a uh, on by a placebo fan's razor blade. Um, I've got a scar on my arm from where what a placebo fan cut my arm. Uh, it's a long story i'm not sure if we should go into it really but basically i feel I kind like of you got need into, to now <laughs> well i kind of basically got into at a, I, I went to see feeder and it was when 
placebo were because on the second album like on one without you i'm nothing like i really loved the first record and then by the time without you i'm nothing came out i wasn't really interested in just this sort of thing at all mm-hmm. and i was like saw this went to see feeder in the queue and this girl had was like carrying like doing that kind of goth oh i'm you know marilyn manson i'm broken she's wearing a placebo top and she was holding razor blades and i was like fucking don't carry razor blades around like oh i'm sorry her self-harm and she just double swiped me with a razor with a razor blade wow yeah I th- and I showed Grant. I dobbed her into Grant from Feeder as well. <laughs> wow! Uh, wow! Yeah. Maybe we should offer so that yes, on Patreon. So yes, they were in. Maybe yeah. We. Sh- <laughs> um, Fifty quid were, to so take yes. a chunk out of Stephen Hill. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there was a group of bands, and Placebo would be one of them. Placebo, Manic, still really Manson. Mm-hmm. Rachel Stamp a little bit mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, had a quite got a very hardcore. Had this kind of very very loose um, group of fans. Yeah. When I say loose, I mean loose in the terms of they were mentally sort of <laughs> <laughs> not like promiscuous, roaming around. Yeah, like they were mentally sort of a bit. They were hard work. They were hard work. <laughs> put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> You've mentioned Nancy Boy a bit already, but there were two different versions of Nancy Boy, of course. There was the single yeah. version and the album version. Which version do you prefer? And what are the differences? The single version. Absolutely. That's the only correct the, answer. The, the single version is twice as fast, yep. twice as loud, yep. bigger, shinier. Fucking excellent. It's a version you all know. Yes. The album version is a bit of a plodder and it wouldn't have been a hit without somebody zooping it up i agree i it's a it's a really weird mix the uh american version i don't like it at all um it's really weird because it's a song that should pop out and really stand out and when you're listening to it on the album it doesn't really um you can still tell it's a good song amongst a a bunch of great songs but uh yeah the single mix is the one to go for the whole way absolutely Um, but i i don't actually own when i say i don't own i mean i don't own on physical media uh the single version anywhere so i have to like go on spotify just to listen to it but it's quite irritating um i yeah yeah, i've got the i'm not sure i've still got placebo placebo on on cd but i did buy it on vinyl but it was a real re-release so I have they've they've now just whacked the single version in, haven't they? Have Sneakily. They? Oh right, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. So it's on if you buy a new copy of Placebo, I think uh it's on there. But yeah, I remember buying I bought it in Salisbury. There used to be quite a good bunch of record shops in Salisbury and I went into one and I bought that um not that long after the gig and the kind of a few weeks, months after the gig. And getting it back and being like, this is really good. I can't wait till Nancy Boy comes in halfway through and yeah. Kicks it up a and bunch. And yeah. then, then when it happened, it was like, oh, this isn't the song. Yeah, yeah. This isn't the song at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's weird. It's uh, it's really, really odd. Um, it was an odd decision. I'm not sure why they did that. I have no idea. I was kind of tempted to ask Brian, but I thought that might be a bit too much of a technical, boring question. Uh, so I decided <laughs> against it. Um <clears throat> but yeah it's a, it's an odd one because 
it seems to me, it seems obvious to me, anyone who you'd ask, they just say, go with the single version. It's the best. Yeah. I mean, I think actually with like listening to the record, you know, you can hear that kind of 80s college rock thing, um, that kind of pre-alternative alternative. I think it's kind of produced and it sounds like one of those albums. When you think of the the first like jing, 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 on on come home mm-hmm. on the first track and when you think of what well, i'd say most of the record is produced in for a band who was seen as this kind of super glammy really really um you know decadent band nancy boy is own is the only song that sonically really sounds like that on this record i think i think they'd go on to to do that a lot but from these 10 tracks i actually think you know a song like i know which i think is fucking brilliant that owes far more to pixies or even rem like there's that little kind of that drum beat in the background it owes far more to quite minimalist sounding bands it's not this kind of glam rock stomper like marilyn manson Mm -hmm. um i think that's why i liked it well, initially. both both placebo and without you, I'm nothing are actually pretty chill records for the most part. I think I don't think it was until mm. Black Market Music that they really amped up the rock element of what they do. When you listen to Without You, I'm Nothing and Placebo as a whole, and you take in all of the elements, I think they're fairly kind. If you're doing a very very broad analysis, I think they're pretty fifty fifty, quiet loud. You know, which for a mm. quote unquote rock record, and I do think Placebo is a rock record, and I do think Placebo are a rock band, but for a rock band, that was like, there was a lot of clean guitars on stuff like I Know and uh, 36 Degrees and Bruce Pristine and Lady of the Flowers. Yeah. And, uh, and stuff like, and, and the pace wise, a song like Hang On to Your IQ yes. is slow and, yeah. you know, it's just sort of. It's almost like it's got that that nursery rhyme thing. It kind of just, or like even like a rocking horse style. It's very slow Absolutely. and slight. Mm. Um, it's a great song, but mm. you don't. I mean, Nancy Boy is the next song after it on the on that record, and you would imagine that they would build up, and build up, and build up to this big like boom, this massive single. And yeah, I think everything that was written about them does not correlate with how the album actually sounds. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. This is a very, this is a very introspective, unsure of itself record. Yeah. yeah so yeah, much yeah. of it is. Yeah. Um, and it's brilliant for it. And I think it's brilliant for it that you see this guy who, I mean, look, cards on the table, Renfrey. I, I can't speak for both of us. I can only speak for myself, but I fancied Brian Molko. Oh, Okay. I well fancied Brian Molko. I was annoyed. I was like, oh, no, he's a man. Oh, no. Oh, what does that make me? Oh, it makes me... Somebody with taste is what it makes me. Because Brian Molko... <laughs> he was... Fuck, he was fit back then. Like, really fit. He was... Whether it was a man or... He was a fit man, a beautiful man, or a really fit woman. Like, either way, he was very attractive. I feel like... Um, I feel like you've 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 jumped and asked me to catch you and I've just dropped you, but I've never really felt that way. Okay. Brian. That's fine. Sorry. That's fine. That's fine. We all have our t- different tastes. Renfrey. Different um, tastes in men. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, but you, you looked at him and you're like, he shouldn't really have. I mean, you know, he he shouldn't have any. He wouldn't appear to be the sort of person that would have any doubts in his head at all. And it was such a wicked thing to see somebody be androgynous in that way, like when it was, you know, monobrow Noel Gallagher was the fucking. The, the king of the hill at that mm-hmm. point and yeah. it was all these bucket hat like stellar guzzling lads ogling over denise van Alton. Yep. and along comes brian molko and he's cooler and sexier and better and writes better songs than them yeah. and you just go yeah fucking good for you man fucking that's great and not scared of those people at all like he flipped slipknot's table over at the kerrang awards oh, back yeah. in the day didn't he yeah Do you remember I that about that yeah 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 that was good he's got a lot of spunk in him uh apologies for the word choice there um but you know he's he's um yeah they definitely and i think they had quite a lot of anger in them um back in the day which i don't think necessarily came through their music i guess from time to time it did i suppose if you think of a song like brick shithouse maybe from without you i'm nothing maybe um but yeah i think they were a much different and much more interesting and unique band then certainly a lot of the media gave them. It's interesting what you say about that. I mean, as we have discussed ad infinitum, this was the time of Britpop and uh, lad mad culture. And this was, you know, the, the male was king kind of thing. And the male's desires were king. And what he wanted, you know, Maxim and Loaded and FHM and all these magazines were just displaying tits on in our four boys and our news agents around the country. It was disgusting and sickening. Uh, <laughs> never... It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there weren't many... There had been an androgynous musicians and so on and so forth beforehand, obviously, but there hadn't been any for quite a long time who made it a distinct part of their music as well, I don't think. Mm. So you'd see Kurt Cobain in a dress and stuff like that. And he'd occasionally wear a dress at shows and yada, yada, yada. But you have to kind of, I think people who made it a part of their music, you kind of have to go back to Boy George, um, T-Rex. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that whole um, 80s new romantic era was was that wasn't it yeah but that that felt like 10 years in the past at that point you know and felt, glam yeah and and and, and really glam, yeah. you know glam rock. poison and all those bands although that very quickly went from being uh, yeah i never felt like that was particularly androgynous that that was more kind of like titillating for them yeah that I felt think. slightly different it definitely felt less um innocent i don't know if innocent is the right word in this context but you know it felt felt more or genuine yeah, I felt yeah, yeah, definitely less genuine. Definitely, less it was a uh, you know like how can we look really nice? It was <laughs> to get girls. It was to get girls, girls to, to come to, the to their shows, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. so that they would sell lots of records. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, um, yeah. So you know they were a a bit of an island, particularly in Britain, um, and particularly with. You know, the change that, you know, the Manics really were the only band that you really could have seen them being yes. uh, sort of a brethren or a, a sort of ally with at that point. And the Manics, of course, this is the year that the Manics massively changed. Yeah. So I do think Placebo scooped up a lot of the kind of Richie 
fans. I think a lot of them yeah, very quickly traversed and went, ah, there's another band who's more like, you know. Our ideals. And the Manics were sort of formed out of that idea of like, uh, you know, bringing this massive bombastic colour and lipstick explosion to Baggy, which they found quite boring. And Placebo were not shy in turning around and saying, Britpop's boring. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like this shit is, but like all these, but they, these bands are crap. You know, when they played the big day out with Metallica, which obviously I didn't see, but you know, they apparently they were quite uh, confrontational then. I think didn't they were. Marco say, I'm, I've never seen so many badly dressed people in one place. I think he said that. Um, I was there. Um, it was my first ever gig. Um, and uh, seeing Placebo followed by Marilyn Manson followed by Metallica was a hell of a breaking in oh dear yeah take uh, something pretty fucking spectacular to ruin that day yeah creed yeah. well creed were one there. of the few yeah, things yeah, that yeah. could were there. i don't think i saw creed um but that was my uh watching them at the big day out it wasn't it wasn't my introduction to placebo as a band but it was my introduction to actually looking at them and caring about them more because um as i already kind of hinted at kerrang I worshipped Kerrang! at this point and just basically everything Kerrang! said was gospel. Um, You know when you're like 14, 15, 16 and you're trying to form opinions of your own but in reality what you end up doing is reading other people's opinions and then rabbiting them to your friends and sort of Mm. making out that they're your own. That's how I was with Kerrang! back at this time. And um, Placebo didn't tend to get reviewed very well in Kerrang. Certainly their music didn't. Live, they tended to get all right reviews. But, you you know, you said that this album got two or three Ks. I think it was three Ks. I, th- I think it was three, yeah. I think Without You, I'm Nothing got three. I th- Black Market Music definitely got three. Uh, Sleeping With Ghosts got two. Um, it wasn't until they released Meds that they got like four Ks, which is probably what the album deserved, you know. Hmm. and actually um i talked about a time i can't remember what podcast it was on now so who knows if you've heard it if you're listening to this but um i was talking about um becoming disenchanted with kerrang's opinion um and there were three big albums that all came out around the same time that made me disenchanted with with their kind of opinion and made made me second guess their opinion sometimes and those were sleeping with ghosts by placebo Diorama by Silverchair and Through the Ashes of Empire by Machine Head, which all got two Ks and, hell, and wow. all deserve at least four, I would say. Um, Mate, I was long gone by then. Yeah? You weren't interested long at gone. all? Okay. What, in Kerrang? No, 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 not really, no. <clears throat> um, but two Ks for all those records as well. And like, I'll add a fourth um, between The Buried and Me. Colours got two Ks as well. And I was just like, what is going on with this publication? um yeah i just thought it was mad but um so seeing them at the big day out i knew who they were i'd heard nancy boy i'd heard pure morning that might have been it at that point and brian comes out in a leather skirt and the first thing he says is i've just i just got a blowjob from marilyn manson he's got a cute mouth or something like that and that got my attention as a 14 year old you know i was like ah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I i just i just um really enjoyed their set and went out and bought black market music i think 
uh, yes, it was black market music because it had Special K on it. And I mm. really enjoyed Special K live. Um, and I then saw the video at a friend's house on Kerrang TV or MTV2 or whatever it was. Um, and that video is wicked. The Inner Space video. They shrink that. They shrink oh, yeah, down and I it goes that. through someone's. Yeah, it's really, really good. So I bought black market music and I was just like, this is far better than that Kerrang review made out that it was. You know, I thought I really like black market music i think it's a great record uh but we're not talking about that uh but that was that was when i first yeah that was when i first properly got into placebo so i was a bit late to them but not ridiculously late to them so um, when did you get this record it would have been a, talking about would it. have been around the same time i think i bought black market music first and then followed it up with that with without you i'm nothing and placebo very very quickly afterwards because i really liked black market music um what did where did that where did it sit i mean i'm quite interested because i think I mean, I heard this and I thought it was brilliant. When I got it, I thought it was brilliant. And I played it. It was one of those records that I played. So it was sort of the first summer after I did my first year at uni, uh, my first year at college, I would have had this record. And it became one of those records where I think, you know, you have these like long summers when you're at college or when you're, you know, in between school and stuff. And like my mum would go to work and I'd just be like, the sun's out i can sit out in the garden and put the stereo on and i wanted to listen to you know the the albums that i had and this and like goldfinger by goldfinger and the first weezer album i remember being three albums that i just played and played and played and played whenever the sun came out mm -hmm. i would play and play and play these records which is weird because this is i mean the other two records are very very sunny records whereas this one's not really at all is it um it's not actually a sort of summary record at all like thematically it definitely isn't yeah relatively summary yeah 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 i can see that more definitely definitely yeah but it's still like definitely it, teenage angst and bruised pristine and stuff like that. you know that's not really sort of barbecue music really and anyway but i loved it and then when you know when i started getting into much heavier music by the time without you i'm nothing came along mm. and i heard pure morning mm. and i heard pure morning and i was like this is a bit naff isn't it Oh, this right. Is a bit naff. Pure Morning is um, one of my favourite placebo songs. <laughs> I, I really like it now. Yeah. I really like it now, but at the time, I just thought there's nothing really happening in this song. Well, Brian Malko uh, doesn't like it. They hardly ever play it because he, he in fact, he, he doesn't like Nancy Boy or Pure Morning. I asked him about that he, in the interview. Didn't he call Nancy Boy, um, he said he feels about Nancy Boy, how probably how Radiohead feel about Creep? Yes, he did. Yeah. So he he Sorry. he said to me that they get enjoyment out of playing those songs now because they were on a 20th anniversary tour, so they were doing songs from all their catalogue, and they were starting with Nancy Boy. Um, and I was like, "What's it like to play that song now?" And he said he'd made his peace with it because <clears throat> it's all about finding enjoyment through the the audience enjoying it. Because you know, people used to starting the set with Nancy Boy. People went off at that, you know, as you can imagine. It was fucking great. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I very, very quickly turned off Placebo. Very, very quickly. Because I love the first record. And I don't own anything else by them at all. Really? You're missing yeah. out on some good albums in some cases. Well, I think I heard... I've, 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 they're all on Spotify. And I have yeah. listened to... like I remember hearing Infrared off Meds. And it was the first time I paid attention to Placebo for fucking ages. Mm -hmm. And I thought like Infrared's a fucking brilliant song. Meds and it made me go... Record. Maybe I should maybe i should get meds and i was always like maybe i should get meds maybe i should get it and now it's on spotify i have streamed that 
and without you, I'm nothing a few times. Um, But I don't own either of them and I never bought them at the time Mm. and I never paid that much attention to their singles either at the time. Mm. It became a bit, I felt like maybe it became too much of a circus. I remember them doing the Brits or him like, I don't know if they played the Brits or if he was just at the Brits or he was presenting something at the Brits. There's this story that he came out and said Caprice, the model Caprice, if anyone remembers Caprice, um, tried to sort of crack onto him and he turned her down and he said he got more um he got more pleasure turning her down than he ever would have done from actually doing anything with her which i thought was a pretty cool quote you know what i mean but um but i was just like when it's you know brian mulker and the, the sort of the newspaper with caprice i kind of feel like i'm a bit done with this like it's just so far away from anything that i could ever have cared about you know that was just like okay well i'm gonna leave it to other people now you know i can understand that um i'll go into placebo's later back catalog um in a bit because um there are well my favorite placebo album steve uh comes along very very late in the back catalog um little tease there really oh yes oh yes um such a tease um but when when I owned Placebo Without You, I'm Nothing and Black Market Music, i.e. when I got into them, uh, my perception was this was the best one. This was the quote-unquote classic. This was the one that people looked back on the most fondly. This was the one that um, when songs were played from it, people seemed to go the most crazy to, uh, particularly the fans down the front. Um, so it was always my perception that this was the classic. Um <clears throat> I, I it's it's difficult to say which is the classic because some people would would say without you I'm nothing for certain and, and I think a lot of those records have gained a lot more esteem as time has gone on as well. Yeah. Um, my favorite placebo album is Battle for the Sun. I've never heard that. It's never heard it. Fucking brilliant. So my perception always was placebo is their best record, but all the other records they've done are very good as well and worthy of note. Uh, then Battle for the Sun came out and I was like, my God, they've done something which challenges my views that I've always held, that Placebo is the best record. And I went back to Placebo, Placebo. Um, and uh, it was the first time I heard it when I felt like it had dated somewhat. <laughs> and I do think that part of the issue with calling this album their classic these days, as much as I love it, and I do think that the songs on this record are fucking great. And the songs sound timeless, but certainly the production and the mix and so on and so forth doesn't sound. It sounds 90s. I don't think it's bad. Yeah, it does. But it yeah. sounds 90s. Interestingly, I'm going to have to get my notes up for this. But interestingly, do you know the guy who produced this record? Um, Why? Well, no, not really. His name's Brad Wood. And I was like, Brad Wood, the, for some reason that's setting off an alarm in my head and for some reason i was like i think it's connected with sunnydale real estate but i'm not sure what it is and i looked bradwood up and he uh i wouldn't call him a name producer by any stretch of the imagination but he has um produced some interesting records to say the least just trying to fucking find them now he did lp2 by sunnydale real estate yes indeed so before so before this record 
Uh, before he worked with placebo, he he worked with the Jesus Lizard, Tortoise, and he also produced the first two albums from Sunday Real Estate. So he did uh, Diary and LP2. Um, he went on to produce A Door by Smashing Pumpkins, uh, a bunch of Me Without You albums, including It's All Crazy, It's All False, It's All a Dream, It's All Right, which I gave to you in trade-off once. And, and this is what I thought you'd be t- particularly interested in, Steve, Touche Amore Stage 4. Oh, yes, he did. Hmm. Wow. He also did It's su- cool. Survived by, by Touche Amore as well. I don't know. Yeah, I've just seen that. He also did um, Tin Cans and Strings for You by Bar. Oh, I missed that. Oh, amazing. Oh, mm. nice. I fucking love that record. So that um, is a great record, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. And, and um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Battle for the Sun is it's like the first album in that it's just a whole ton of brilliant, brilliant songs. But it is, yeah, for my money, it is comfortably the best placebo album. And I think so many people had lost interest in placebo at this point. I mean, you know, when a band releases their sixth album and they're, you know, 15 years old, however old they were at that time. But it really is absolutely stunning battle for the sun and i'd I'd strongly recommend anyone and everyone to go out and check it out because it's really i do i do believe they got a little bit of a boost off that and ended up playing wembley on that album didn't they they? did yeah they did they've never done wembley now people listening will probably go placebo with a big hit surely they got to number four in the singles chart there was this big band they're playing the brits they must have been playing wembley or ali pally or you know earl's court or somewhere like that and actually, I mean, this is the interesting thing about back in the day, just because you were, I've said it before, Suede headlined Reading in 1997. Suede were only playing Brixton Academy. Mm-hmm. You know, not many people were doing, it was only really Blur and Oasis who were doing big, 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 mm-hmm. big places. Mm-hmm. I think Radiohead got to Wembley on OK Computer. I think the Manics obviously did that MEC arena gig in Manchester and then went on to do, you know, a, a bunch of... Um, bigger london venues i think they might have done ali pally around that time as well and but but bands didn't really play arenas much like they did like all they they do now i mean when you think like opeth played wembley i mean opeth they played wembley they didn't really play all of wembley but they played wembley no no Um, only a third of the ticket of the capacity went on sale i believe or maybe half but yes yeah, I mean, a similar thing when Alison Chains played Wembley, which was, was you know, it? half half of Wembley. Right. Um, but everyone wants to say, we played Wembley. And yep. that wasn't always the case. You'd play the venue that you were big enough to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and Placebo never got to, you know, um, arena status until 2009-2010 as a slight correction i'm going to make to that steve they never got to arena status in this country uh on the continent in europe particularly in france actually they were massive um were they yeah a bit like muse actually uh muse were um another great band which we both agree on um uh muse do we (laughs) Muse got bigger in Europe before they got big in the UK, I would say. Um, my mm. uh, exhibit exhibit A for that is um, around the time of Sleeping With Ghosts 
Placebo released a DVD called Soulmates Never Die, which was recorded at Le Zenith in Paris, which is a massive arena. Um, I want to say it's 18,000. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it's pretty fucking sizable from the DVD that I've got. And that was Sleeping With Ghosts. Around that time in the UK, I think they did Brixton Academy. 4,000, yeah. 5,000. They always seem to be a Brixton-sized band, I thought. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think they do work best at Brixton. I, although, having said that, have I seen them in the arena? I don't think I have seen them in the arena, but I have seen them at Brixton several times. Um, it's difficult to imagine what they would do in an arena. They're not a sort of pizzazz, fireworks band. No. Not that you have to be to play arenas. Pearl Jam, Exhibit A. But, you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They're 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 not as good like Bless Placebo, but they are not as good anywhere near as good or engaging a live band as Pearl Jam. No. Not many people no. are. No. But um not at all. They're definitely not. So yeah. I mean I remember seeing them so I saw them at the Red and Alley Cat at the Reading Festival. Um I didn't see all of them at Reading Festival, but they certainly they came on after Rage Gets Machine and Slipknot. It was that year. Oh yeah. And that was very a very unflattering thing like having placebo and stereophonics yeah. at the top of a bill that had like a and blink 182 and radiance machine and slipknot yeah. was a silly i don't know who booked that that was madness that's like throwing those bands to the fucking wolves ridiculous yeah. but anyway um i did see a bit of them then but then the next time i saw them would have been in 2010 or 11 at sonosphere i think it was 11 they right. played they played before it wasn't Biffy, was it? It wasn't Biffy Clyro. It wasn't Iron Maiden either. It would have been Ramstein. Okay. In two thousand and ten. In fact, I'm gonna get this up now. Full time Rimfrey. Um, um with, uh, with chat of my Yeah, it was. It was just before they subbed Ramstein. Um on the Sunday on the main stage at uh, at, at Nebworth. Sonnet for 2010. It's really interesting. Placebo subbing to Rammstein. Like there are, yeah. there are plenty of similarities in some ways, but musically there are very few. It, it was a very odd, I mean that day, I think I've spoken about it before actually, when it had kind of anthrax, Papa Roach and placebo with a sort of top four on that, wow. that day. And then they had sort of <laughs> made maiden pendulum, Alison chains and Slayer on the other day. Uh, Wow. Pretty weird. It's it, yeah, it's broad. It's broad. I'll give it that. Yeah. Um I'm actually looking at that lineup for that whole weekend now. It's pretty fucking good that. Sabaton with the opening band on the second stage. Oh, God, yeah. I wish they'd fucking stayed. Wish they'd fucking <laughs> stayed there. Um but yeah, but plus I did look at placebo and I was like, fucking hell, I've not even thought about placebo for, for forever. And there they were, subbing Ramstein. Mm. And they good? didn't really they were okay. They were they brought a lot of lights, which, you know, they didn't have at Reading those other times. Like I've not seen them loads of times. I don't think they're a hugely engaging live band, I've got to be honest. Um no. they were fairly they were I mean, around this time when when I first saw them, that felt like about right. You know, when you see a band and you go, This is just a kind of scrappy little alt rock band, three piece. Yeah. You know, how are they going to command a big, well, they're not, they're going to be. So yes, it all being not part of the plan makes sense. And I think this record sounds, I, I like placebo when they sound a bit more, 
I mean, I think I, because I only, it's, I can't really say about how much more other stuff that I feel about the other records and blah, 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 because ultimately this is the one that I know and I like them. I quite like them being small. It's quite a slight, small record. And I quite like that. And the, so the idea of them playing before Ramstein, it just, it's one of those ones where you go, fucking hell, like shit has definitely changed. I think for those big arena shows, they used to, I mean, I've certainly seen footage where they've complemented themselves with sort of string players, keyboard players, you know. I have seen Placebo with a lineup of about eight musicians before. Um, and it is really cool when they add all those other bits and pieces. Um, when I went to interview Brian, I actually went down to their rehearsal studio uh, bit and there, there were around eight musicians there. Um, so they have managed to expand it in a sense. And I think that's the only way placebo could go in terms of playing arenas. It feels like to me, um, yeah. they'd have to I expand mean, they, it they... in some way. They played uh, Robert Smith's Meltdown a couple of years ago. Yes. I, I, I didn't go. I mean, that was one of those things where I was like, well, I would go to that because uh, it feels a bit special. Um, but there were so many things that I no, went to. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I went to Deft, Deftones, Nine Inch Nails, and um, the Manics I went to. Mm. Oh, good that. Mm. It and um, it was a great week. I know you went to Mogwai as well, didn't you? Uh, 65 Days of Static. I can't. I don't think Mogwai played it, did they? They did. They did play it. Oh, well, I def- and you went. I definitely went then. <laughs> I've you seen did. Mogwai like 30 times. I can't fucking remember. Yeah, I don't. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, they did. Okay. Renfrey went, right. everyone. <laughs> um, he did, and he's talked to me about it. I think he'd even reviewed it on the show. But um, Probably. So good. Uh, but um, Eleanor Goodman from Metal Hammer, who yeah. we both know, obviously, yeah. went, and she was, and they're one of her favourite bands, and she was very disappointed. By their set mogwai no placebo oh right right right, right, right. i've moved on we've done mogwai mogwai <laughs> played and you saw it it's not relevant to this <laughs> oh just that's so a shame. it was just a context of how good a week of gigs it was that's a shame um i have seen placebo quite a bit actually in the last few years um and I have been, it's been very hit and miss, to be totally honest. Sometimes it's been their fault and sometimes it hasn't. The last time I saw Placebo, it was a few weeks after interviewing him on the 20 year of tour thing at Brixton Academy. And unfortunately, his voice was just shot to shit. He had had an awful, awful, um, like like a proper like uh, infection in his vocal cords. And... They managed to sort of cancel and reschedule the dates for the majority of the tour. But the problem with doing that with a Brixton Academy show, and people might not realise this, but Brixton Academy's schedule gets booked up about a year in advance, at least. So if you're going to reschedule a show at Brixton Academy, you're probably going to have to wait a year to do it. So they decided to reschedule the whole tour, bar the Brixton dates. And fair play for trying. Um... But at the same time, it was just a disaster. And I remember I went, um, don't know if I should reveal this, but I'm going to, fuck it. I don't think it puts me in a bad light. I went under the pretenses of, a, of reviewing it for The Independent. And I actually got back to the PR and I said, I don't feel like I can review this show fairly because it'll it'll get a drubbing from me, but it'll get a drubbing because the lead singer is ill and can't do his job properly because of his illness. 
and that just felt like too unfair a thing to do really so i said so i basically said to the pr i can write this review if you want or we could just or i could just thank you for the free show and we could move on and they chose the latter so yeah mm. um but it well, just good of you to say i think i, I thought would have just so. written it yeah there's loads of people who would have just written it and and but it just it felt too mean a thing to do you know mm. in, in my opinion anyway um yeah. But then I have seen them. I saw them at Brixton Academy on the last day of the um, Battle for the Sun tour, which is actually, it has been released as a Blu-ray and DVD. So you can probably find it on YouTube. And it is fucking brilliant. They opened with Nancy Boy on that night as well. And it's probably the best placebo show I've ever seen. And that was only five years ago or something like that. So they vary wildly, to be honest. Just depends when you cool. watch them. Got a favourite song on this record? Ooh let me just get my cd copy of it up in front of my face um i don't know if i do we should talk about the artwork very briefly while you're thinking what a weird album cover i really want to talk about the artwork actually because i found out i mean it's very easy to find out because it's on their wikipedia page uh but quoting from wikipedia on the 23rd of june 2012 it emerged that the boy photographed in the album cover david fox shown wearing a red jumper and pulling his face downward was threatening to sue the band for ruining his life his cousin saul fletcher had taken the photo fox claims he was quite popular at the time and that when the album came out everyone bullied him fucking hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean genuine sympathies for Mr. Fox for being bullied. That's not very nice. At the same time, why the fuck are you suing placebo over it? It's not placebo's fault you got bullied. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous thing. I mean, I'm hoping slash assuming it was just thrown out of court. But yeah, what a mad thing. So so now when I look at the cover of placebo, I just see a bit of an idiot. <laughs> to be honest i thought you were say the victim of some unnecessary <laughs> pain and torment but yeah an idiot well, ge genuinely like you know it does suck that he got bullied for it and stuff like that and i can and kids are fucking awful and you know yada 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 but at the same time talk about sh shooting at the wrong targets do you know what i mean <laughs> it's like <Yeah. laughs> unbelievable but yes but yeah sorry the cover it's a weird cover yes it's an odd cover um probably because of that stupid boy on the cover of it <laughs> probably uh, <laughs> yeah it is but it's just so just oh look there's it's got the title of the band in the corner in white so you can hardly really see it mm -hmm. and it's just a very stark looking photograph of an odd looking child yeah doesn't scream doesn't scream hit records at all does it no not in the slightest it um, screams what it sounds like, which is weird little alternative curio. Yeah, it does. It does actually kind of feel like an iconic cover to me. Um, yeah, at it does. this point. Um, but you're right. It, it's really weird. But it's very stark and very kind of. Even the back cover is just like a garden gate, taken at a weird angle. You know. Yeah, it's mm. very kind of. I don't know mike lee almost or it is, isn't it? or yeah. um yeah, it oh, is. shane meadows or something like that um yeah i i i, I like it personally. i like it i like it too and i like um i think the without you i'm nothing cover is really iconic as well those two yeah. twins sort of sitting opposite, sitting each, opposite other. each other i think that's a really cool cover um mm. yeah. um so go on best song you got one 
Favourite song? Um, it, To be honest with you, it would probably change every time. But I'm going to go with... Um, oh, fuck it. I'm going to be a total twat and say HK Farewell. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> the, 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 the fucking secret track. <laughs> it's the nine-minute instrumental secret track. <laughs> it's really good. I really like it. It is actually one of... <laughs> It is actually one of my favorite tracks to the okay. point, to the point where, so it's really annoying because it comes like, um, what's the last song? Swallow plays and then there's fucking 20 minutes of silence and then HK Farewell comes in. And when I imported all of my music onto an MP3 player, I would actually go to the trouble of cutting the song so that I didn't have to listen to loads of uh, silence before it came on or I have to bother to forward through all the silence. That's how much I like it. Right. Well, I think 36 Degrees, Hang On To Your IQ, Nancy Boy, I Know, Bruce Pristine. That five song run in the middle of the record is brilliant. I'm not going to pick I'm not going to pick one particular one, but I think it's that is a fucking amazing run Agreed. of yeah. songs. Yeah. Really great. That's yeah. as strong as it gets on this, I think. Almost as good um, as HK Farewell. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. I'm sure Placebo feel exactly the same, hence why they just dumped it 20 minutes after the song finished. Me and Brian, mate, we're like that. I, I, I just crossed my fingers. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, there you go. So I think that's a, that's a, a a pretty a pretty definitive chat on not just this album, but our thoughts on placebo in general. Yeah, we, we don't send us any more placebo stuff. We've done it now. <laughs> oh, so, someone send us Battle for the Sun, or can you just listen to Battle for the Sun because it is brilliant. I yeah, I listen to that. Really I, I will good. listen to it. Um, so thank you, Cameron. That was your suggestion. We appreciate that. If you're listening for free in the future uh, and you'd like to suggest a record, you have to. Sign up to the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash podcast. Get the old five pounds here if you can, because that is the best one, I reckon. We will be back very, very soon to bring you another record from uh, from our huge, massive, long list of records that we have that you um, are more than welcome to keep adding to, and we'll try and get to them all. Uh, what, we're not giving up on life until we've done all of them. Ah. Uh. I feel like I gave up on life a few years ago, but all right, fine. Okay, well, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not. See you later. <laughs>